Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today we are in Joshua chapters 16, 17, and 18. Uh, These chapters, although beneficial, are definitely not the most exciting to read through. However, there are a couple of things that we have noticed um, in the readings for today. One specifically for me was just a little callback to the daughters of, help me with the name because I always butcher it. Zelophan. There we go. So it was interesting to me because I was like, oh, I recognize those names. These are the same, what is it, four daughters that were asking Moses to basically give them they the changed, right they changed have, the law yes. for these daughters to have an inheritance right. that is significant um that occurred in numbers 27 and right. then, and then like they're mentioned in 36 as well so we've heard these girls before we know that the law was changed for their situation because there were no sons um uh, but they wanted their line to remain within this inheritance right yep. but the cool thing and because i even talked around i was like well why are they just repeating this again and you had said, well, this isn't just a repetition of that that law that was changed for them. This is actually like the results of that law in play now. So we're seeing land allotment based on these these girls and what they had asked, correct? Mm-hmm. Right, do you want to give any more on that? Well, I think this is interesting because they initially approach Moses and they're like, look, we, we should have an inheritance. Mm-hmm. And so Moses changes the law. Um, then Moses goes before God and they come up with this idea where like the women can only marry. Well, I think that's important in too. In their family, like in their clan. So Moses didn't just change it because he wanted to. Well, he, he went before the Lord. God, yeah. yeah. Um, and then here they are again, um, coming before Joshua, Joshua and being like, Hey, where's our land? Like God said we could have it. We would like it. <laughs> um, it just, it just reminds me, I think we, we titled that episode bold daughters uh-huh. and that is definitely true of these daughters. They are consistently like, Hey, look, like we're here. We expect our inheritance. Please give it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, which is unique. It's definitely unique. It's pretty cool though. Uh, before we skip too far ahead. Um, so that was from chapter 17, but something that stuck out to me and Ryan, um, in chapter 16 was that as the allotment of land for Ephraim and Manasseh is given, uh, there is note in verse 10, yep, that they did not drive out all of the Canaanites. So we still have these people that God specifically told them, do not allow them to continue living in the land, like drive everyone out. And it says right here that they were still there. They were not forced to leave. However, they were made to do forced labor. It's interesting. It's like a combination of two gross things. It's like grace, but also disobedience. Not, it's yeah, weird. it's complete disobedience. It's like their own and it's, grace it's for them. Selfishly motivated disobedience. Yeah. And the, so, so there's a couple things here to hold in tension. One, um, I've already said earlier. Like I, I think there is a part of this command that is dispossess, like drive them out, because right. we we see them called out as like destroyed, but then we see them show up later in history as not destroyed. (laughs) So I think the command is get them out of here and get them out of the land because they will become a snare to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're, they're supposed to get them out of the land. They don't. And they're like, well, you can stay here as long as you like be our slaves. That's not great either. So it's, 
it's disobedience is what it is. Mm-hmm. And as you're reading through Joshua, particularly as you come out of the writings of Moses into the writings of Joshua, you would know this is not good. This is not a positive development. Uh, fun fact, we if depend there's there's two different dates for the Exodus. So there's two different dates for the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You could think it could be around the 13th century or the 15th century BC. We'll put this in the category of historical nerdiness. <laughs> um, what's interesting is that these cities that are mentioned, Megiddo, Dor, and Tanakh, Megiddo. they've all been, yeah, Megiddo is a significant site. Um, they've all been excavated, and we know the history of those areas because of the archaeological record of those areas. And the 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 culture present in those areas does not shift from Canaanite to Israelite until the 10th century, which means it's at least three to five hundred years before mm-hmm. the the people like control the area several generations so it's a long time that the culture is significantly canaanite which means pagan mm-hmm. so it's not like you could read this and you'd be like oh you know it's like a small faction like no it's from not our great grandparent great great grandparents to our children's children correct like, that's quite a significant it's amount of very time. significant yeah um and what what makes Canaanite culture is idolatry. So it's significantly against God in these cities for at least 300 years longer. Well, you know what? I always think too, like whenever God tells them like to go in and destroy a, like destroy a city completely, like not leave anything like that always feels so harsh. But in this instance, he literally just says, drive them out. And like, is it any wonder that he continues to tell them to just like, okay, just wipe out everybody because in instances where he tells them to disperse them, they allow them to stay. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, sometimes that doesn't sit well, but then it's like, well, does God just like kind of fed up with the disobedience and it's just like, okay, fine. You need to wipe every single one out. I don't know. They're, they're just completely disobedient. They, <sighs> they continue to not listen. We're going to, we're going to be going into judges next. So like in three days we'll be in judges. Oh, I love judges. And I know I'm probably going to bite my tongue. But... I, I would say in judges, like the gloves come off and we're not pretending that they're being kind <gasps> yeah. of obedient anymore. We're just like, nope. This, this is terrible. All right, so moving into chapter 18, this is significant because we've been hearing language that is basically like when you get to the spot that the Lord will reveal to you for his presence. That's been mentioned a couple times. We now know where that spot is. It's in Shiloh. So they set up the tabernacle in Shiloh. Um, you see Joshua like sort of reigning from the spot in Shiloh. He's going to cast lots before the Lord in Shiloh. Um, to figure out these remaining inheritances. Uh, Isn't that like gambling? Uh, no. I, I, I was thinking, like, should we talk about casting lots or not? So casting lots has been called like gambling. Mm-hmm. It is sort of sort of goofy to explain. But it is like, a, I guess it's spiritual gambling. It, Yikes. It's like, <laughs> that's sure that that's what's weird. It um, it's, it's basically like, trusting that God has control over the lot. And so when the lot is cast, God has moved in the lot. We see the sailors do that with Jonah. So it's not a uniquely Christian thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not a uniquely Jewish thing. Um, There are denominations that still cast the lot today. There's Mennonite pastors today who are chosen by casting lots. What? And the belief is that... Aren't they like the most against gambling anyway? (laughs) Well, it's not gambling, remember? (laughs) (laughs) It's actually really funny. I had a I had a conversation with a Mennonite bishop recently. Um, you did? Yeah, I really did. About how they do the lot. And he, 
Don't look surprised at me. This is a real true story. <laughs> I feel like this is something um, we would have talked about, like, at dinner or something. We probably have. You just forgot. Um, <laughs> I don't think I would forget this. Okay. So, we talked about casting the lot, and he was he was like, yeah, you know, I still oversee some congregations that um, pick pastors by casting lot. He's like, it's been a huge problem in the past because these people get picked, and they're not, like, theologically astute. They don't know how to lead the people. They don't have sound doctrine. Well, that's awkward. And so it's kind of a mess. So what some Mennonite denominations now require is that every uh, person who's going to be part of the lot, uh, they have to be doctrinally trained to be considered to even go into the lot. And then they, like a lot of congregations, they'll, like, put, a, like, a bookmarker in a hymnal or something and whoever gets the hymnal with a bookmarker oh is gosh, the pastor. Oh my gosh, come on. It's, it's real. It's a thing. It's like button, button, who's got the <laughs> There was a, there was a, the pastor of the, the pastor of the church that I grew up in, um, not when I was there, but the pastor that was there before him was chosen by a lot and he was a phenomenal pastor. He was just huh. like a, he was like a farmer and the lot fell on him and he was a pastor and he was, he was incredible. He was a really great guy. Hmm. Fun facts. Um, so there are, there are people that still like practice that a lot today. It's game that you play at like baby showers and stuff. You like have to reach under and see if you have... <laughs> you're, you're really trivializing this thing. <laughs> I mean, you literally just said bookmarks in hymnals, so. Um, oh my word. So it, it, the, the, the folks that practice the lot, um, uh, they see it as a divinely inspired thing. And mm -hmm. I, I understand how people can look at this and be like, I don't know about that. Um, but here in Joshua, that is what they're doing. They're going before the Lord. They're asking the Lord to put his will on the lot. And that is how the mm -hmm. land is divided. So, uh, I would say that's, that probably caps off the episode for today. Well, what's your part for today? Well, I was just going to say, could your part have to do anything with the application of like, even when the Israelites were moving into certain parts of the promised land, they allowed certain things to remain. So like when we, it re reminded me of like salvation, right? When we come to know the Lord and we accept him as our savior and we're like ready to start this new life with God as, or with, with Jesus as our savior, as our rock, all the things. If we allow certain things to still stay present and within our lives, we can't fully enjoy that relationship with him because it's like it's holding us back just like what happened with the israelites that allowed the canaanites to just remain wherever they were they were held back by those those idols yeah i think i think that's a great point i think that it's really important that we examine our lives our beliefs our doctrine very closely um, because we want to ensure that we are worshiping the real true resurrected risen jesus uh, we want to be sure that we're coming before the real true god and we're not allowing our life of faith to be defiled by all kinds of goofy extra things that we may have been carrying from our old life um, or that may be being offered to us by culture around us. That's exactly what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Like God doesn't want the people to be polluted by the evil things in the culture around them. He doesn't want their worship to be directed the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is applicable to today. We want to be really careful about those things. Um, it's not that you're not allowed to be in culture but we can't worship the things that draw us away from the Lord. So I think it's a good takeaway for today. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. We only have two days left in Joshua. So that felt quick to me. Yeah, wow. really. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. 
Hey, thanks so much for listening to our take on God's word. Stick around and listen to the word uh, on the second part of the podcast. Before we get in there, uh, we just want to remind you, you can connect with us at any time on social media and YouTube at God's Plan Your Part. Also, we are a listener-supported podcast, so if you ever want to help us out with the ministry that we're doing, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. And now, here's the reading for today. Joshua chapter 16. The allotment of the people of Joseph went from the Jordan by Jericho, east of the waters of Jericho, into the wilderness, going up from Jericho into the hill country to Bethel. Then going from Bethel to Luz, it passed along the Adaroth, the territory of the Archites. Then it goes down westward to the territory of the Japhelites, as far as the territory of Lower Betharon, then to Gezer, and it ends at the sea. The people of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim received their inheritance. The territory of the people of Ephraim, by their clans, was as follows. The boundary of their inheritance on the east was Adaroth Adar, as far as Upper Beth Haran, and the boundary goes from there to the sea. On the north is Machmethith, then on the east the boundary turns around toward Tanith Shiloh, and passes along beyond it to the east of Genoa. Then it goes down from Genoa to Adaroth and to Nara, and touches Jericho, ending at the Jordan. From Tapua, the boundary goes westward to the brook Kana, and ends at the sea. Such is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Ephraim and their clans, together with the towns that were set apart for the people of Ephraim within the inheritance of the Manassites all those towns with their villages. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day, but have been made to do forced labor. Then allotment was made to the people of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph. To Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, were allotted Gilead and Bashan, because he was a man of war. And allotments were made to the rest of the people at Manasseh by their clans, Abiezar, Helek, Esriel, Shechem, Hefer, and Shemida. These were the male descendants of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, by their clans. Now Zelophad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, had no sons but only daughters, and these are the names of his daughters, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tirzah. They approached Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the leaders and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance along with our brothers. So according to the mouth of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among the brothers of their father. Thus there fell to Manasseh ten portions beside the land of Gilead and Bashan, which is on the other side of the Jordan. Because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance along with his sons, the land of Gilead was allotted to the rest of the people of Manasseh. The territory of Manasseh reached from Asher to Michmathah, which is east of Shechem. Then the boundary goes along southward to the inhabitants of En Tapua. The land of Tapua belonged to Manasseh, but the town of Tapua on the boundary of Manasseh belonged to the people of Ephraim. Then the boundary went down to the brook of Kana. These cities to the south of the brook among the cities of Manasseh belonged to Ephraim. Then the boundary of Manasseh goes on the north side of the brook and ends at the sea, the land in the south being Ephraim's and that to the north being Manasseh's, with the sea forming its boundary. On the north, Asher is reached, and in the east, Issachar. 
also in Issachar and in Asher, Manasseh and Bashin, and its villages, and Ebium and its villages, and the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, and the inhabitants of Endor and its villages, and the inhabitants of Tanakh and its villages, and the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. The third is Naphath. Yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in the land. Now when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. Then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given me but one lot and one portion as an inheritance, although I am a numerous people, since all along the Lord has blessed me? And Joshua said to them, If you are a numerous people, go up by yourselves to the forest, and there clear ground for yourselves in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. The people of Joseph said, The hill country is not enough for us. Yet all the Canaanites who dwell in the plain have chariots of iron, both those in Bashin and its villages, and those in the valley of Jezreel. Then Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, You are a numerous people and have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the hill country shall be yours, for though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess it to the farthest borders. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron, and though they are strong. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The, the land lay subdued before them. There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, how long will you put off going in to take possession of the land, which the Lord the God of your fathers has given you? Provide three men from each tribe, and I will send them out that they may go and go into the land. They shall write a description of that which they view their inheritance, and then come to me. They shall divide it into seven portions. Judah shall continue in its territory on the south, and the house of Joseph shall continue in their territory on the north. And you shall describe the land in seven divisions, and bring the description here to me. And I will cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. The Levites shall have no portion among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their heritage. And Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan eastward, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave them. So the men arose and went, and Joshua charged those who went to write down the description of the land, saying, Go up and down in the land and write a description and return to me, and I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went and passed up and down in the land and wrote a book of a description of it by towns and seven divisions. Then they came to Joshua to a camp at Shiloh. And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua apportioned the land to the people of Israel, each to his portion. The lot of the tribe of the people of Benjamin, according to its clans, came up. And the territory allotted to it fell between the people of Judah and the people of Joseph. On the north side, their boundary began at the Jordan. Then the boundary goes up to the shoulder north of Jericho, then up through the hill country westward, and it ends at the wilderness in Beth-Avon. From there, the boundary passes along southward in the direction of Luz, to the border of Luz, that is Bethel. Then the boundary goes down to Adaroth Adar, in the mountain that lies in the lower Beth-Oran. Then the boundary goes on in another direction, turning on the western side southward from the mountain that lies to the south, opposite Beth-Oran, and it ends in Kiriath-Baal, that is Kiriath-Jerim a city belonging to the people of Judah. This forms the western side, and the southern side begins at the outskirts of Kiriath-Jerim. And the boundary goes from there to Ephron, to the springs of the waters of Nephtuah. Then the boundary goes down to the borders of the mountain that overlooks the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is at the north end of the valley of Rephaim. And it then goes down to the valley of Hinnom, south to the shoulder of the Jebusites, and downward to En-Rogel. Then it bends in a northerly direction, going on to En-Shemesh, and from there goes to Gileoth, 
which is opposite the ascent of Adamim. Then it goes down to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben, and passing on to the north of the shoulder of Beth Arabah, it goes down to Arabah. Then the boundary passes on to the north of the shoulder of Beth Hogla, and the boundary ends at the northern bay of the Salt Sea at the south end of Jordan. This is the southern border. The Jordan forms its boundary on the eastern side. This is the inheritance of the people of Benjamin, according to their clans, boundary by boundary, all around. Now the cities of the tribe of the people of Benjamin, according to their clans, were Jericho, Beth Ogla, Emeth Keziz, Beth Arabah, Zemarim, Bethel, Evim, Para, Orpha, Sefer Omani, Ophni, Giba, twelve cities with their villages Gibeon, Rama, Biriath, Mizpah, Chirmafia, Moza, Rechem, Erpil, Tarala, Zela, Helaf, Jebus, that is Jerusalem, Gibeah, Kiriath, Jiriam. 14 cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the people of Benjamin according to their clans. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.